sweet baby boy. We have to break our way. We have to break ourselves away from that, my dear, and start recording the podcast. Sorry. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> Do you love our fans more? Kind of. <laughs> Coming to you live from the recording studios deep within the Super Fortress Hardcore Gang. <laughs> Hey kids! Do you you like like movies? Do you like comics? Do you like getting excited about stuff? Do you want two geeks talking? About what they've watched, read, done? And made in the last two months? Well hold on to your fandom! Because now it's time for... The The Hardcore Hardcore Genki Hour! Hour. Yay! Woohoo! Hello and welcome to the Hardcore Genki Hour! I'm Andrew Raggedy Man Watton Davis. And I'm Laura Pink Apple Jam Watton Davis. And this is the June 2018 update in our world of comics, film, TV, conventions, creation and generally being excited about stuff here at the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki. Because if something's worth being excited about, it's worth talking about. And talking about talking about stuff... Important news! We have a Twitter account! Yay! Yay! You you can ping us at Hardcore Genki. H-A-R-D-C-O-R-E-G-E-N-K-I We can be found at... Hardcore Genki. On Twitter, we got a question from Bella Lugosi's Shed. And that was, if you could totally replace one character from the Marvel Shed universe and replace them with another character, what would the swap be? Ooh. For those who don't know, Bella Lugosi's Shed is a wonderful horror podcast. Yes. Which can be found at Bella Lugosi's Shed, and that can also be found on the awesome... um, Bunkazilla. Bunkazilla, which syndicates us because they're now both syndicated. Bella Lugosi's shed is now syndicated on Bunkazilla. Yeah. Uh, well what, done, guys. One character from Marvel Shared Universe and replace them with another. Within Ooh. the Marvel Shared Universe? Yeah, someone... Not like bringing someone in from the DC Universe. I think, yeah, if you could swap out one character from Marvel with any, with any other IP. Oh. I think the closest, I guess, would be Ultraman or a bunch of Power Rangers. Some kind of Sentai cross-referencing. Because everything's kind of inspired by each other, culturally. Mm. I know the purists are like, oh, it's not anime, it's not the Japanese. You know, it's like, well, without this, we wouldn't have that. Without that, we wouldn't have this. So I would say that would be quite fun. Uh, who would you swap them for? Who would I swap out from Marvel? Yeah, because I I have an instant answer to that one. If you swap in the if you swap in the Power Rangers in, okay, it has to be the Avengers <laughs> because the Avengers movie, the current Avengers run as Super Sentai. Oh, come on, that would be com- that would be, be quite awesome. Fun. Yeah, who would I want to swap? Who would I want to swap? See, I've got the slight disadvantage here that one of my minor hobbies is um, shared universes, trying to find obscure references between things, like the fact that um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is part of the Marvel Universe, because they're covered in the ooze. They get covered in the ooze. Oh, yes, because the... it was a spin-off of Daredevil, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, because of course. Of that, well, because there was unofficial a... fan spin-off because inspired by... there was a crossover with um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Cerebus the Aardvark. Yes, there was. That means that the Flaming Carrot... Is part of the of the Marvel universe. Remind me again where Flaming Carrot comes into service. Uh, there was a crossover between Cerebus the Aardvark and the Flaming Carrot. Oh, that's tenuous, but I'll allow it. Well, no, but you get <laughs> Flaming Carrot to the Cerebus the Aardvark, Cerebus the Aardvark to um, yeah, to Daredevil, Daredevil to Daredevil crosses over. It shares the same universe with Deathhead, Death's Head, Death's Head. Had a crossover episode with Doctor Who, which means Doctor Who and the Flaming Carrot share the same universe. So. Away from my geekery. Oh, big uh, nerds. <laughs> who would I swap out? Yeah. I, I, I would probably want to swap out Lex Luthor with um, Professor X. Because hmm. they're both bald. Uh, they've both got inexplicably huge amounts of money. Um, I just think Lex Luthor would make a brilliant Professor X because he accepts the fact that he's an evil, horrible person. Mm, he rolls with it. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't go for the horrible propaganda that the movies have uh, brought out trying to project this idea that Professor X is actually a really nice guy. Whereas from the comics, he was just quite a terrible person. On many occasions, far less moral than Magneto. So I think Lex Luthor could do a very good shot at that. So that's my that's my pitch. Sounds good. Yes. So that's the kind of feedback and questions we have you can also email us at superfortresshg at gmail.com so because no one gave us feedback from the last one i asked a question which will hopefully feed you, into you used a different platform that's all yeah i so used facebook you used 
Bookface. Book, book and face. Andy's question was, why do you re-watch films and TV shows? And we did get a lot of responses. Yeah, th- this was because of all the rerun culture. I just wanted to know why people, when there's all that new media out there. So some of the responses we got, um, Alice MN, comfort reasons on bad anxiety days. To see if, see if they're as good as I remember to show them to others. Yep, I did, I did yeah. the same. Yep, all good there. Mark O says, I often rewatch things from my childhood as my adult mind interprets things differently from my childhood mind. So it's refreshing to remember how I used to think and use it almost as some kind of factory reset button. See, I got to agree with this one because mm. there's a lot of shows, like The Simpsons, for example. Mm. There's more stuff I'm picking up and there's different readings I'm getting. Yeah, now that mul- I've got multi-layered. More yeah. I think for me, my first... Last one was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I think mm. because I mean I knew as a kid it wasn't just for kids; it no. was obviously animation for all ages, cross referencing many things. Then followed by The Simpsons a couple of years mm. later, and yeah, with each rewatch, you get different things in different contexts. So mm. You get hidden gags, etc., that maybe you didn't get. I know that. A lot of films I've kind of semi-seen through The Simpsons, like The Godfather, when I was obviously too young, I know, too young to actually watch the thing, but I know of them so much because of the parodies. Like The Horse's yeah. Head in Lisa Simpson's Bed, for example, yeah. you know. Num num good salt lick. <laughs> Chief, uh, E-N-P-H. Uh, rewatching is a strange one. I used to do it a lot before the days of Netflix because I enjoyed it even after the 10th watch. Not many things I can watch 10 times, but if there's something I can watch 10 times, you know it's good. Nowadays, I can't keep up with all the new stuff I need, I want to watch, so re-watching anything seems to cut down on time. As a result, I haven't seen some of my favourite repeatable films in ages now. Hmm. Yeah, but the question is this. Did we used to re-watch films because they were that good? Or because we could only afford a couple of DVDs. It's true. You'd definitely get yeah. your money's worth out of twelve ninety nine for 70 minutes. I know with um, albums, I used to get an album and I'd play it to mm-hmm. death. Now you get an album, you give it two or three spins, you take two mm-hmm. tracks off it. So mm-hmm. I think movies and TV are a lot like that. Yeah, Catherine M says, I have a set of history programs that I rewatch, especially when I'm doing things like cleaning the kitchen. For some reason, watching people farming with ancient techniques <laughs> is the best background for me scrubbing work tubs. <laughs> Point noted, I will use this when I try and motivate myself to scrub That's work our tubs. life hack for the day. <laughs> Otherwise, Catherine continues, things like Marvel and Doctor Who I watch in the same way I reread books. I love the stories and characters and I enjoy spending a couple of hours or so immersed in a different, if familiar world. I've now seen Infinity wars three times and the second and third time i spent a lot of time looking at what's happening in the background there is a lot of stuff going on Mm. i definitely i think that's another um feather in marvel's cap um adding in so much visual sumptuousness Mm. it makes paying for another cinema ticket worthy because there are other things you're gonna miss there i'm not gonna say which bit it was but even in deadpool 2 my friend says oh did you see that so-and-so on the shelf behind deadpool when he did xyz and i was like no and she told me about it and i was cracking up i couldn't believe i missed something so obvious which is kind of point of the joke i think the moment for me when I kind of realised, I've previously said, oh, I don't think rewatching Marvel, you know, I don't rewatch Marvel movies, was I found out, you know, the final the, the final sequence in Captain America, which has been out for like eight years, so we can, break. someone pointed out that when the nurse walks into the room where he's just come out of his, his coma, she's wearing stuff that's 10 years out of date. So it's 10 years too ahead of time from when he went into a coma. So they told him, oh, yeah, you've just been asleep for three months. And then she comes out and it's apparently the, the the outer garments are accurate. But the style of bra she's wearing didn't mm. exist at the time. And they're like, so given how accurate S.H.I.E.L.D. are, was that because they were trying to ease him into the idea? And I'm like, well, number one, that level of detail to actually make him go, something weird's happening, this is mm-hmm, wrong. Mm-hmm. But the idea of like the subtext of, you've got that amazing subtext of, was that intentional was that a failing what was the plan i'm like okay mm. so i might actually end up re-watching a couple of marvel movies now it's because mm. of all that level of detail so yeah no definitely I'm sure there'll be a big list of easter eggs and we can make a bingo sheet and we can oh god yeah get drinking games hole uh uh william b um because the narrative payoff is worth enjoying more than once on its own merits not just with the benefits of surprise a good example is shawshank redemption i still have goosebumps whenever i watch it Yes. 
Oh, Shawshank. Shawshank. What a film. I mean, two and a half hours long, but it never... It's something that you you, you enjoy slowly. Mm. Definitely worth it. Curtis A. Uh, because I can watch and enjoy them, but not necessarily be 100% focused on them, allowing me to do other things at the same time. Watching new shows would have to have my full attention or I might miss something. I also do the same as Curtis, especially with anime and subtitles. If the subtitles are on, I need to watch and read. Um, So I get less drawing done if I'm watching something subtitled, because if it's a dub, I can kind of listen. And if the script is good, the audio will kind of describe what's going Mm. on. But yeah, comfort, definitely. I think that's been a major factor. Mm. Um, Well, I ran through the stats because we got a lot more responses mm, than this. And I went mm, through mm. the picks up. Um, of the people that responded, and it was about like 25, 30 people, so thanks everyone. About 50% of the people gave comfort as a reason, mm. um, either easier to watch or the nostalgia it creates. Mm. Um, the other two big reasons, with about a quarter of people responding each, was the quality of the thing being watched or the missed detail being picked up on. Mm. So it's nice to know that people are watching stuff because it's good. Mm. But the idea of the um, the missed detail, that, that's, that's pretty good. Mm. So it was just little... Question of the month. Keep an eye out on the Facebook, keep an eye out on the Twitter. We'll probably be asking some more of theirs. Yeah, and if you've got anything extra to add, we'd love to hear from you as well. Always up for feedback. Continue the conversation. So thanks everybody who wrote us, dropped us a line. Brooklyn 99 had a bit of a weird week, didn't it? 99. 99. Yeah. So what have we put? The decline, the death, the rebirth. rebirth. For those who don't know, you poor swine, uh, Brooklyn 99 is probably the funniest, most wholesome thing on TV at the moment, it's the ongoing stories of the uh, detectives in a Brooklyn de police in a Brooklyn police department, starring Andy Sandberg with an amazing ensemble cast, um, as well as police procedural plots. It covers a number of social issues uh, in both hard hitting and re- realistically low key manners. It's basically great. If you haven't heard about it yet, that I don't know what to say. It's great. So you can catch up on the first four seasons on Netflix in the UK. And Brooklyn uh, is currently being shown on E4. So you'll be able to find it via catch-up. Yeah. Now, because we're about halfway through the season. I'm going to be honest. um, The first third of the season wasn't that great. Nope. It was almost like a warm-up. And I find that a bit odd considering what a semi-delirious fan following Brooklyn's got. People have this on in the background. Yeah. A lot. Because it is wholesome and funny. This... I'm surprised they basically used a third of this se- current series to warm you up to the characters again. It's it... like, we're already there. We don't yeah. need this. I mean, you know? this this was what inspired the rewatch question was because as soon as we knew that the next season was coming, we caught up on all the old seasons just so we'd go flying straight mm-hmm. into it. And it's got the same cast. It's got the same crew. It's got the same writers. I had to look through. There were no major changes in the writing thing and it just just seemed half halfway there slow gear. What, yeah it wasn't as funny it was just slow yeah um so rumors circulated it was going to be shut down i braced myself oh, because yeah. i wouldn't have been surprised if it well, was shut down it's never had huge ratings and the quality was as I said the quality wasn't that great it did start picking up mm-hmm. but because this was based on everything that people were seeing in the states mm-hmm. it got to about the mid-season and um I mean, for us, for us, it was when it turned a corner, and then on May the tenth, with all this going around, we found out it had been cancelled by Fox. Yep, just as one or two episodes had really kicked in, bang, yeah. and we were like, "Oh, uh, okay." So, credit to its fandom, like the show, it was very wholesome. I have never seen a fandom react like that. I was looking at it on Facebook, I was looking at it on Twitter, I was looking at it on um, Reddit. Everyone was just like, "No, be strong." We had a good run. Yeah. Be happy, and there was this. I've seen other. I've seen other shows get cancelled, and a significant portion of the fandom lose their absolute shit. <laughs> I mean, like in really, there's that obvious like neckbeard way, and then like, oh, we must kill the writers, and mm-hmm. then there's the overdramatic persona one of, oh, I must kill myself. This was just like, no, no, had... be calm, guys. We had a good run. It's good, and then dun 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 dun. Um, then on the eleventh, um, after they'd been. A massive fan reaction and lots of people calling through. It got picked up again. <laughs> By NBC, who originally passed on it in season one. Yeah. And someone from NBC, who I think was involved in passing it on, said it was the biggest regret. <laughs> they, <laughs> they yeah, they basically, they 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 did the development work on it. Mm. And then went, nah, Fox can have it. And Fox got it. And then Fox canned it. 
But it was it was it was lovely to see um, the fan reaction to that because mm, again, it just made you feel like the internet is an entirely waste of space. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, one of the most popular threads I saw was was people going, "Okay, what was your favourite memory? What was your favourite episode?" Mm. No one was arguing over it. Everyone mm. was just... It was Every single response was like, yeah, that was a good episode. Yeah. There was also a number of people going, well, that wasn't my favourite episode, but now you've mentioned that bit, I'm going to go and rewatch mm. it. And I'm not saying that everyone was making each other cocoa, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> half of the fandom was willing to put tuck the other half in just <laughs> to help them get through. Um, so I'm really happy. I'm looking yeah. forward to the end of this season, but I'm also really interested to see what NBC... How... If it will change yeah. or not. And if so, will it be tighter? Yeah. I don't know. But that's great news. I was really relieved, yeah. actually, when I heard. Um, even though I would, I was bracing myself for it to be cancelled. And then when it was cancelled, I was like, okay. okay, fine. And then when it got picked up, I was like, okay, that's good. That's the only, good. The only problem I can see is that from everything I've been, I've seen, mm. doesn't end on its traditional cliffhanger. So, I mean, there, there were obviously there was the cynicism going around of people going, "Was this all a PR stunt? Yeah. Was this a goal to try and get more people in?" And I, I don't know whether it was or it wasn't. Um, I imagine it takes a bit more than twenty four hours to get a new series mm. sorted out. Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> either way, if it was a PR stunt, it was a PR stunt that showed. The f- actual honest feeling of the yeah. community. So Didn't that, it like take over nice. Twitter for like an entire day? It got, it got a day on Twitter, yeah. which is which is nice. Yeah, but it yeah. got a day on Twitter in a almost like a this is how you do a respectful yeah fandom thing. The rest of the internet could learn uh, from it. Could learn from it. So well done, internet. Yeah, yeah it was very good. How are they going to carry on with it? Because they've they've effectively ended it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, shows that didn't quite make the cut though. Stars did not renew Ash versus Evil Dead after season three. Ooh! So Ash versus Evil Dead. I Andy loves the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, I didn't grow up with the original trilogy, though I do enjoy it. I think the second one is my favourite, and oh, yeah. it always makes me laugh when I see uh, the Japanese name Captain Supermarket <laughs> for the third one. Um, but I got into the schlucky, awful, dreadful, hilarious Evil Dead TV. First season was really funny. Second season, funny but dipped a bit. Third season, back on track. Lots of character development in some characters. Lots of non-character development because Ash is basically a prick from episode one. Yeah. But that's that's his gormless charm. Like, he's a dreadful character, but things happen and you think, mm, that's Ash. And the rest of the characters acknowledge that as well it's like yeah ashy slashies can be so creepy but yeah he's cool he 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 does look after his mates towards the end you know it and it's quite endearing um but he also just doesn't give a shit yeah and i think that's what everybody sort of aspires to be when they're older i mean (laughs) bruce campbell's getting on a little bit but you know there's the stunts that are done you know, there, there was one, I think I talked about this in a previous podcast, that hilarious scene in the donation clinic. Oh, my God. Oh, that, the, the oh sperm my, donation The sperm clinic. donation scene, honestly, that was the highlight That was a, for uh... me. It was so disgusting, but it was so funny because it was so disgusting. Oh, my God. So, well done. So, they have ended it and it ended on a great note. And I'm not going to say what it is, because that would be spoilerific. Yeah. But at the same time, it just ended Ash versus Evil Dead perfectly. So watch it if you can. Yeah. Uh, we got it on a... We have Virgin TV, but we were able to access it through a Sky deal. Um, it was included yeah. in our package. It's not a massive... It's yeah. not a massive package, that's what she said. No, very good Brooklyn reference there, darling. Check it out. Go and search on your Virgin account. So so do you think it ended because it was called about halfway through halfway through the season they knew. Do 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 you think it was a good example to other shows of how to finish off your yeah, run? Absolutely. And the comic the comic scene all over the world could l- learn from letting your story end and not Stretching it out 
because it is the end of the story because Ash is because uh, Bruce Campbell said he's retiring Ash. He's retiring Ash, which is sad, but at the same time, how many glorious, how many films is three seasons worth? Like five and a half films yeah. worth? Yeah. Or something? And I think that's great. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Four years ago, three years ago, even, you wouldn't have thought this was a thing. And it was possible to see it on television where there's so much fake CG blood, your Virgin Media account starts pixelating because the <laughs> the intensity of the blood on screen is so much. You just think, well, we've, we've done good here. Aren't yeah. we lucky to live here and witness this glorious, <laughs> tragic... <Yeah. laughs> There's, Tril- trilogy. There's also not much more they can do with it because the character no. of Ash has changed quite yes. a lot through the various forms. So I'm like, well, yes. what else could they do? With them? And it, well, it, exactly. It, I mean, it's going to be Ash does his shtick yeah. episode after episode. It also means that, that uh, Bruce Campbell is now free to do the follow-up to Bubba Hotep. That's true. Get on it, Bruce. So, we're not saying it. Or, do nothing. You're Bruce Campbell. I would never have the audacity to demand you to do a thing. Everybody's here. Yeah. So, well done, team. Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell. That's that's how... And the wonderful and hilarious supporting cast. I hope great things happen to them all. They're great. Yeah. They're all great. So, well done, everyone. Thank you very much. Round of applause. Round of applause. What so, else? Uh, we've been we've started to watch Bull. Bull. I, I Dinozo. Oh, <laughs> Dinozo grows up. <laughs> so people people familiar with NCIS will know the character Dinozo. The same actor plays this Can character. You give me a moment. Bull. So it's uh, Michael. So yeah, Bull. It's Michael Weatherly. It's a police procedural. So Andy, tell us about it. Okay. Uh, I think. I think Bull, uh, well, number one, it's wonderful to see Michael, Michael Weatherly finally get a starring role after all his time in the shadows in uh, NCIS. But I also think it's possibly the uh, end of police procedurals because they can't get much more ridiculous than this. It's uh, Michael Weatherly as Bull, a psychologist who's come up with this concept of the shadow jury, which is where they find all the details they can about the people on the jury and then they find their practical twin and then get their practical you know so like they have have sequences where it's like i am well you have the jury member going well i'm a mother of three who lives in nebraska and then you've got a member of the shadow jury who looks practically the same wearing all the same stuff going well i'm a mother of three living in nebraska as well so they, they stuff this this jury together and then they put heart rate monitors on them and they have them sitting in the um in the gallery for for all of these impossible cases and then they slow because so that way they can know exactly how many of the jury are on their side and they have this amazing logarithm that predicts what people will think about certain cases and all this stuff and they they are surrounded by a red border if they don't if they're not swayed yeah. and they're surrounded by a green border so if it, the person is on their it's side le- it's legaling as a video game that you can utterly stack and <laughs> Um, he's got this team of of absolutely brilliant defenders, and they work. the The name of the organization they work for is called TAC, which is just like some kind of like three little acronym. And it's it's the it's the such... biggest bag of bobbins. <laughs> I, there is nothing. Uh, there is nothing about this. This is realistic in any manner whatsoever. They can't do a third of the stuff they could do in that. This idea of having these shadow jurors or not. It's just... But... We're addicted to it. It's <laughs> such bobbins, but what's... It's kind of weirdly reassuring bobbins. If oh. you're if you're stitched up, the right votes will come through. Uh, uh, it doesn't always... You know, that's not always, every they've episode. Always, they, they've won every episode. No, but that's not every episode. There will be an episode where they don't win. Oh, that eventually. Will be, that'll be the end of the season, and then it will keep you going to the next one but you know it's going to be one of these that runs to at least four seasons sort of thing but but it is reassuring because not everyone goes to jail and you know they always get the right guy and you know sympathetic but hard working so a little rough around the edges oh yeah when he when he says something that everybody pulls him up about he actually goes oh yeah okay i was a bit of a dick basically His, his second in command is this uh highly motivated woman that's not like bitchy or anything they've got um an ex-american football gay 
clothing specialist who in the second season wants to become a lawyer so goes off and starts learning to be a lawyer they, they, everyone's got these lovely backgrounds and yeah uh yeah it's it's nice it's your dessert it's your afternoon tea and a biscuit it's a police procedural so i'm watching it but i i, I just honestly i can't think what new gimmick they can come up with because they don't even bother sh- they never bother showing the opposition's case no, yet. Yeah, maybe the they're saving whole, that. Ninety-nine percent of it is all about the defence's case and their mm, case and mm. how they're doing with their. They don't bother showing what opposition they're up against. That that means they don't actually have to like deal with reality or anything. But I'm just watching them like how how do you? There's no gimmick you can move on from this. It's unless they have like some mind reading cop or something. There's nothing left. Well, you you say that, but you know it's going to run on for another couple. So oh, yeah. This, no, I just mean generally. Right. What other gimmick can someone come up with to top this as a police procedural? This this is the... So this show is on 5 USA? It was on 5 USA. It's now been picked up by Fox. Oh, yeah. So it's now on Fox in the UK. But... Okay, yeah. But yeah, for... I'm an addict. I'll watch it. It's, it's a police procedure. Don't even worry if you can't watch it in sequence. There's there's it, there's yeah. no plot running. To, oh god. But usually yeah. usually that's a big thing for me. But each each episode is exactly self contained. It's like Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> it's all self contained. Well, you can watch it out of order, no problem. We literally just started watching it because Michael Weatherly was in it and we liked him in NCS. Yeah. Oh, and my mum recommended it. <laughs> oh yeah, and Laura's mum's really good choice. She's really good, my, really good fl- uh, taste in police procedurals. My parents are proper litmus test when it comes to television. <laughs> Watch this. Oh, don't bother with that shit. Other TV news. Dum dum dum. Doom Patrol. Doom 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 doom. doom. I'm not actually moaning at this point. What? Um, what? Yeah. So it. So first of all, as per the previous episodes, it was announced that Doom Patrol would be the Doom Patrol will be appearing in an upcoming Teen Titans series, an episode of the new Teen Titans series. Okay. Then, to great plum, it's been announced that it's going to get its own series. It's been commissioned for a thirteen-part series. It's going to be happening in uh, 2019, which I will be describing in excruciating detail as soon as it You'll comes out. You need a podcast all of, on its own. Yeah. Um. And very little is known about it other than uh, the characters in the cast. And the cast are mostly, you know, unknowns other than like one guy that was in a series I haven't seen. So we've got Roboman, Elastigirl, Negative Man, Chief, which is the classic lineup. Crazy Jane from the Grant Morrison run. And the reason I'm I'm bringing this up um, is not to discuss discuss it as such because there's there's really not much i can say on it so we don't even know what the feeder series is like at the moment but when i saw it i really wasn't sure how to react to it you know how how to feel about it um because as everyone who talks to me for more than five minutes knows this is a series that needs a huge amount to me so your reaction will either be indescribable joy with tears streaming down your face or it'll be me watching the gem trailer and me ended up throwing my phone in the wash basket because <laughs> so angry it was the first thing i saw when i woke up and a bloody hell i wish i hadn't bloody gem movie yeah i i actually didn't know how i should react to it well, how how do you know you're gonna react to it when you haven't even seen it i know no, yeah but it, it was I, mean, uh, I know the stakes are high but the stakes are high but the, there's two big things number one um Doom Patrol's been through so many creative teams that it being within the hands of another creative team isn't necessarily that big a problem. Well, you've said here the studios called it a reimagining. Yeah. Which is very helpful with expectation management. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So they, they, they called it, as you said, they called it a reimagining. Um, and that, I think, is something more people need to do. So, like, it kind of works with the Doom Patrol, actually, yeah. in like a parallel universe sort of thing. Yeah, but I, kn- I know that it's not... The Doom Patrol from the comics. Mm-hmm. So it's like with it's like was said with the um, trailer in um, the trailer for Infinity Wars, where you had the whole thing with Thanos saying, "I'm going to blow up half the Earth, mm-hmm. uh, kill half the population of the Earth." It didn't mention anything about killing half the population of the universe. That, for me as a as a Marvel fan, knowing the original Infinity Wars as I did, um, it made me feel very happy that it was a different universe because they were setting it up 
they were setting it up differently. So when they say it's a reimagining, for me, I'm like, well, okay, so if this version isn't great, that's not a problem because it's not the core Doom Patrol. So I thought that was, I think that's something that a lot more people can do. It's really helpful. It really encourages stuff. You know, it gives people a chance to give it another shot. Yeah, I mean, I think now trailers have to be marketed for expectation management. Mm. Else you get a reaction like the bloody Thundercats. Raw. I saw that. (laughs) God. Fandom is tiresome. <laughs> what? Okay, so Laura. So, what did your fandom get up? To? My fandom. So, my two two fandoms so far have sat there and gone, "Oh, it's okay. We've been cancelled, but we'll get along." And they've also gone, "Hmm, let's see what happens." How did Thundercats do when it got a new series? You know what? I'm getting so fucking sick of being the same age demographic of these fandoms because these fandoms with keyboards and attitude problem can go suck a dick. Frankly, so Thundercats Raw is a very cute and squishy, um, almost super deformed chibi Thundercats reimagining from Cartoon Network. Legitimate, random come out of nowhere, think blindsided a lot of fandom. Mm. And honestly, like bloody Ghostbusters, a a fandom's just gone ballistic. Mm. Oh, it's not for me, it's not the Thundercats I grew up with. It's like, well, guess what, fuckface? You had Thundercats in the year 2000, anime style. You didn't support it, so it got cancelled after one season. Nuggets. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> all they are, fuck nuggets. Oh, lots of swearing in this podcast. I am sorry, listeners. But yeah, it grinds my gears. Like, just <laughs> shut the fuck up and just make them... Let them make it and sit down and shut your face and watch it. And guess what? It might not be for you. It might be for your sons, daughters, nephews, your you know cousins, you all these little people yeah. that haven't grown up with Thundercats, and they might watch it. Somebody described Thundercats as something like Andrew Lloyd Webber on steroids gone mad or something, <laughs> and it's like yes, that's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely weird, <laughs> right? It's exactly that, and it's any kid. Any sane child of very young millennial generation will watch Thundercats original and go, what the bloody hell is this? So It's not for Thunder... It's not for 30-year-old men to get angry and pissy and one-star review-y. It's like, just shut up. Just watch the thing. Just let people make the thing. You may be pleasantly surprised. Stop reviewing places that you've never been to. Stop reviewing food you've never eaten. Stop reviewing cartoons that haven't even aired yet. Honestly, it's bonkers. Just sit down, shut up, and stop it. I have a bit of a theory on this. Okay. Specifically with Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. So, sorry, with specifically with Thundercats. Before that's I get mo- a very funny cartoon of a Thunderbird being eaten by a Thundercat. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Um. You know what the funniest thing about Thundercats was? <laughs> what? The outtakes, which was the one of the first things I heard on the internet in the year two thousand. The outtakes. There's a whole load of recordings of going. Schnarf, schnarf! Oh, for fuck's sake, Lionel! What you do? They just not. <laughs> they just go off script, and it's very sweary yeah. and it's very funny. I will tell you what. Possibly it. even swearier than me today. <laughs> I have a theory hmm. that Thundercats isn't as good as people as people thought it was. Hmm. So people aren't even angry about not getting the show they were after. They're angry about not getting what they essentially thought was going to be is the show they thought they had with a 12-year-old when they were 12 done for them now they're 30, if you get what I mean. They're just angry about yeah. having something not made for them and the- they need to grow the fuck yeah. up. It's just not on. Nothing's going to get made in the future if people get, continue to death, gatekeep de- over death it. Death threats over Oh, shit, my God. Um, but it was like when, I went, when, I, when we went to see Solo... I didn't think Solo was a brilliant movie. I'm going to put my cards on the table, but I tell you this: I saw I saw a bunch of uh, like three foot, four foot old kids going out of the cinema. They thought it was the greatest thing they'd seen. Their minds were blown. Their minds were blown. That actually made me like the movie more because it made kids happy yeah for me it was a pleasant it was a perfectly acceptable so, two hours. solo this is a bit of a tangent from thundercats yeah. but solo was a really good saturday morning romp yeah 
couldn't tell you anything in it that was particularly brilliant, but I know there was nothing in it that was especially bad. Yeah. It was perfectly enjoyable. But they'll tell you every reason why it was the greatest thing ever invented. And that's that's glorious. That's exactly what it, what it means to be nerdy in today's day and age. But it's that fear, it's that absolute worry that somehow it's going to wreck the memories of the thing you love. Mm-hmm. But the memories of the things you loved aren't actually of the thing you love. Because if mm-hmm. you go back and... I mean, Thundercats, the TV series, that was like two or three... That was quite a substantial amount of viewing. That's that's like 20 or 30 episodes, something like that. I think so. One. Thundercats yeah. came out in 86 anyway. So 86, 96, that, that's 32 years old, yeah. you know? And but it was a, there's, there's a solid viewing there. If you wanted to yeah. go and get Thundercats and watch it again, oh, God. That, yeah, that's yeah. going to take you a while oh, and to you work know your what? way all these, all these spitty little people i suggest that they do that and then they'll see that thundercats isn't actually the golden gilded treasure yeah. that they hold it that opening animation mind oh. that still gives me shivers down my spine and i could watch that yeah a hundred times in a row and not get bored of it because of how brilliant it is but the tv scripts themselves mm. they were written for six-year-olds in 1986 and oh my goodness children's television scripts do not age well no with 80s cartoons i i challenge anyone to watch three four episodes in a row of anything real ghostbusters thundercats he-man great sure but not binge watchable at all you will go mad how slow and ploddy everything is so how dare people yeah. react that way to modern animation with hard-working, passionate casts who are all fans, all working hard to try and make this thing, and then some big, puffy, Cheeto-eating, opinion-spouting <laughs> son-of-a-bitch goes on and leaves everything one-star reviews, and it's just not on. It's not cool, Andy. It's not cool. Make them stop. I, I don't know how to. I'll make badges that tell them to stop it. Anyway, they can shut the fuck up. They... <laughs> They are not feeling this anyway about Battle Angel Alita. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're worried about your fan. But you, this, this no, is... you know what? Nowadays, no, I'm not. I'm I'm embarrassed for fandom. So I, I'm not. I'm pensive a little bit about the film because obviously I read it when I was 15, 16. Mm. Great set of books when I was 15, 16. Still love the art. Still, you know, the stories are fun. Mm. Still great shonen stories for 15, 16 year olds. I'm sure the film's going to look good, but you know what? I'm just going to be embarrassed for fandom's reaction now. These people need to realise it's not all about them. So it's rolling with the times. Yeah. And also a more simplistic rounded cutesy cartoon style has pokemon taught these people nothing it's going to make it easier for the kids to draw and to latch on to and to have fun with and they can make their own stories why did the 2k start why did the 2k one have a massive anime influence oh yeah because that was popular and it was the style of the time yep yeah Um, in fact it was one of the very few really authentic co-productions that had rebooted themselves after an onslaught of animations that were anime style but not in execution Mm. for example totally spies spies sorry totally spies um i think that show is very underrated but it's very much western animators animate using japanese style faces Mm. whereas thundercats was out i think sunrise animated it it was outright you know, done in Japanese studio. And if if these fuckwits want... So why didn't they support that with all their might? The thing is, you're going to have people who are... You're going to have two camps of angry people. You're going to have the people who are angry over the 80s version. You're going to have people who are angry over the 2K's version not being the thing now. And it, it's it's wonderful that people are feeling this kind of emotion. Sometimes. No, but, but it's not constructive, positive. though. Absolutely. They do need to be positive. Otherwise, you know, they're just being destructive assholes. And we don't need that. We need more good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, all these people, that they've never created anything in their life. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily to say they can't have opinions. And I think sometimes when people get like a headcanon and they they want to... they're, They're thinking how awesome the thing they envisioned could be. I'm not saying their version is good, but I get why they're thinking that way but they, yeah they need to get a life i'm not i'm not defending them i'm trying to understand where they're coming from no they need to change their tack because otherwise it's going to affect such a lot of stuff think... i'm just worried about it andy you know yeah. it's oh yeah he's just angrier and angrier and 
I think I'd just I'd, I'd like to think that they're just being noisy dickheads. Mm. But there's know, too much edge to it. It's so too much hostility. Yeah. I do honestly think doing stuff like calling it a reimagining, making it clear from your first press release that it's n- th- to set that expectation. Because like with the port with the mm. Dennis Villeneuve, the guy who did Twenty Forty Nine. The new Blade Runner. The fact that he said that he's going to do different stuff on Dune, it disappoints me now mm. or worries worries me now. But if it comes out and it's bad, I won't be as upset because he's. I'm not going to go in with the expectation of it being the real thing. I think that's that. Speaking of theories, <laughs> hey, Laura, <laughs> did you recently have a highly insightful theory about superhero movies? Was it? Or was it just me babbling on again? Probably. So Andy and I were talking about comic book films and the fact that there's so many Marvel films coming out per year. To me, it almost feels like what it must have felt like, I guess, when the serials started taking off. Like Dick Tracy was originally a radio show, Batman, Superman... And from radio, um, you used to get short, episodic, maybe six to eight episodes, maybe. Wikipedia, I'm sure, will tell me if I'm wrong. I think some of them, like the the Superman, was several years, you know, that was like a hundred and something. Episodes. Really? Did they run oh, continuously? Yeah, I'm, th- I'm yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. per storyline, not oh, per, per series. Oh, per storyline. Um, per storyline, yeah. It was a couple and of you'd weeks. get this short serial, um, say, after a cartoon, but before a main feature at your cinema. Um, so throughout the 1930s and 40s, you used to get black and white Batman, Superman, etc. serials. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what happened in the 40s. Well, I suppose World War II. Uh, I'm World War One. I'm not sure about after the 1930s, 40s, World War One, World War II. Um, in the 70s to 80s, you did get a lot of superhero television mm. shows. For example, uh, Japan turned Spider-Man into a tokusatsu almost Power Rangers-ish, Ultraman-ish TV series, officially licensed by Stan Lee himself. In America, you got the highly successful Wonder Woman and the Hulk US TV series. But those were all quite one-shot, weren't they? They were pretty much one and done each episode. Each episode, yeah. Yeah. Kind of Monster of the Week. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So... Maybe not so much serialised stories. No. Um, however, it did bring back superheroes on television. It did. In the 80s, we got a lot... And the 70s, we got a lot of animations. I think there was very much... Uh, very good Jack Kirby-ish Avengers TV series. Batman and Robin, Filmation TV series. Yeah. Um, but they, they, again, it was the the one-shot stuff. Uh, yeah, all yeah. episodic. And then, of course, uh, you'd get Tim Burton, 1989, I think. 88, 89. Tim Burton's Batman. 15 certificate. Uh, it was too Could... too high a certificate for me to go and see it, so I couldn't see it at the cinema. That was you. That was what you identified as the start of the modern era, wasn't it? To me, it was Batman. Yeah. Um, Tim Burton being allowed to do his own thing. Because the... you had Superman, but that was still very much in... You had Superman, but that was still very much in the um, in the old school style. I think it was, wasn't it? Your Christopher Reeve Superman. It definitely wasn't where Superman was at that time as a comic. No, no, it's a parallel universe. It was almost like the films with Christopher Reeve in it were homages to the serial. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you get spin-offs like Supergirl, one of my favourites. Again, that was quite old school in its style. Yeah, yeah. But, of course, because you get Superman 1, 2, 3, 4, mm. Supergirl, yeah. a couple of others. But Tim Burton, to me, yes, even though each film was episodic, it laid the groundwork of grittier superhero. Maybe it couldn't have been made without superhero comics turning a little bit grittier frank miller batman returns around the same era if I, i'm yeah because you know Arkham, i mean like the 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 bat uh like frank miller-ish yeah alan the, moore the 70s the thing is the 70s and 80s comics had gone mm. through a lot of grit mm-hmm. um which was never reflect but, the the 70s and 80s um movies 
the occasional one shot she got in the movies and the TV shows were really, really soft. They were so soft. It, compare 70s Superman comics to Christopher Reeve's Superman. Completely yeah. parallel universes. I mean, Bizarre world, the, perhaps. The Green Arrow had had its... I mean, the Green Arrow had had its drugs issue in the 70s. Mm. The X-Men were going straight up against outright racism. Mm. Um, You had stuff... And then when Burton came along, that was around the same time as... um. Batman Arkham Asylum. Yeah. And it was after stuff like, um, obviously, The the Watchmen. Mm -hmm. So... It's interesting how comics got got to different audiences first, as opposed to films that were kind of catching up. So, of course, you've got your Sony X-Men in between... Because you reckon um, that was that you 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 said that was the final wave was the Sony stuff, with the X-Men. before we got onto Marvel's juggernaut yeah. of cinematic universe. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I just feel like we've gone back to serials, but in two hour long, yeah, CGI spectacular rainbows for the eyeballs versions which you certainly get your cinema tickets money's worth these days as well much like you got your cinema tickets money's worth when you got a cartoon a serial a newsreel and a main Mm. feature so yeah i do feel like it's kind of reinvented itself without changing too much of the original structure because i say stuff like the the x-men the x-men movies Mm -hmm. um originally and also, uh, like the Spider-Man movies, the first three Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. are definitely uh, Superman Returns. They were very self-contained. I know there was a bit mm. of follow-on through them, but there wasn't... Like the Burtons. The Burton movies were... Mm. You could very easily watch any of the Burton movies without having to have seen the previous ones. Yes. So, yeah, no, I'd yes. say... E- and even then, even before Wikipedia, you knew who Batman was. Yeah, there you was didn't. No... You didn't need Bruce Wayne's backstory, although I think yeah. it was mentioned. It was... T- tiny bits. It wasn't. But it, it, Batman's been done so many yeah. times. The Burton was <laughs> just, in... just reminds me of those cushion covers. This is a tangent. But <laughs> do you remember those crap? Those DIY. I'm sure Batman's mom makes him tidy his room. <laughs> it's like, well, actually. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's going, going back yeah. to serials. I mean, it's interesting though, because each each one of these, so the, the periods you've identified, you had the 30s through to the, like the, the 60s um, serials, be they TV or, sorry, be they uh, radio or movie serials, the cheap ass things. Because we, we, oh man, ages ago we watched this, uh, I think it was 50s um, Batman series that your dad had, this old black and white one. That One of the serials, that serials, was. Serials, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. the Batmobile was basically a station wagon. You had the bat sign coming up in the middle of the day. <laughs> Batman, oh, it was absolute bombings. They lived in a bungalow. It was... I mean, every, everybody knew how hokey they were, but I think comics fans and kids yeah. in particular, of course it was kids that were reading them. But that, Mainly at that time. That it must was, have been like, oh, it must have been the best thing ever. That was quite... It's this this weird way that you keep on getting the hook back because that was quite mm. that was quite similar to what was happening in the comics. Mm-hmm. Then when you got the seventies and eighties period that you identified, um, that was like a TV redo. It that was a, a kind of bigger budget mm-hmm. TV and film redoing of the stuff from the from the early days. Mm-hmm. And even Burton, because you said Burton brought in a lot of grittiness, mm-hmm. but it was also very um, old old style. That, the, the it style was of with, it was very I mean, retro. The thing is, though, Tim Burton's style has got so much classicness yeah. in it, just with his own twist oh, in it. Oh, absolutely. I just wish that he'd made, been able to make more than two. Maybe he didn't yeah. want to, I'm not sure. I might have got sick but, of it. Yeah, may, let's not talk about Batman Begins and uh, yeah, Batman and Robin. Which, quite... actually, actually, not nothing to do with the serials, but if you watch Batman and Robin, if you watch Highly Intoxicated after watching the 1960s TV series and oh, you get God. all your mates around, actually, that's not a bad plan for a laugh. Anyway. Batman but Forever, I think you mean. That's the yes. one. Sorry. I still, yeah, yeah. I still say it's not as bad as people make out. It's just that they remade 
this this TV series. Expectation management. management. That's exactly what it is. Because yeah. I was expecting Tim Burton's Batman all over again. Yeah. However, no, we just got an acid trip version of the 60s yeah. TV series. Now, if I'd have gone into it thinking that's what it was going to be, Camperama as opposed to Gotharama, yeah. maybe I'd have enjoyed it a lot more. Maybe. But I was just so perplexed. But then we... Yeah, and then you got the final phase when you hit the two Ks and you hit the Marvel period. Yeah, and it started off with the X Men. Yeah, because the X Men's now got also ran. Has it? Well, they're kind of rejigging <sighs> it, tying in with its Deadpool tie-ins. Deadpool's the standout, which should not be the case. I mean, we saw Deadpool two, and Deadpool two was hilarious. But X Men Orange, where they go back to everyone being quite young. Ah, uh, first class. I think they call it first, first class. Sorry, yeah. yeah. God, I should have like actually written some show notes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> But that, that's, that, that's your theory of the four eras, though. It is, especially with Marvel. I mean, DC are like, Meh, I'm so gritty, I'm so grown up, which eventually <sighs> makes your script sound like they've been written by a 13-year-old. I think they have been. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where Christopher Nolan's Batman's fits into that, so I would say my theory really skews more towards Marvel I, cinematic universe. I would say it still fits because Nolan wrote it as a trilogy. So that's getting into your episodics again, and that's it picking is. up the tricks from the Marvel series. It is, it is, but it's a, still a trilogy. It's not... Yeah, but the X-Men was a trilogy, and that was still the start of it. Possibly. Yeah, anyway, doing. yeah, not not that anyone's going to win any awards by coming up with fan theories or anything no, but, but it yeah, I just a... I just feel like it's we've gone back to serials all yeah. over again and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Soap operas for superhero for comic book fans. That's cool. it. I have a theory of my own as well. What's that? I think spoilers are a new marketing tool. You do, don't you? Yeah, it's 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 something I've been noticing more and more, and it really struck me with um, Infinity War. It happened, you've seen it or you haven't, you love the Marvel series or you don't. Yeah. Um, and that had the absolutely massive Thanos Demands Your Silence campaign. Mm. And I just thought it was, re- you know, we're not going to give away any pop points, but I just thought it was really interesting the way that, and I'm seeing it more and more and more, this idea of, because um, spoilers, people hate spoilers. Mm-hmm. There's been a number of people, a number of studies that have shown that spoilers don't stop that many people watching movies, mm. and they don't actually to a lot of a, a large number of people kind of prefer it with spoilers because mm. it's they they can be analysing the detail rather than focusing on the twist or or whatever. Mm-mm. But it's just been more and more movies have been using this this big "don't give out spoilers" campaign. Yeah, like y- um, using human nature. <laughs> I I think it's I think it's twofold. I think number one, it's trying to present this idea that there's this earth shattering event happening within this movie that's so amazing. You have to go and watch it, yeah. and you have to go and see it before you're sullied by spoilers. <laughs> before other people ruin it for you. For you, so you absolutely have to ramp up. You know, you've got to go and see it on the first weekend, the one that everyone judges everything on. Going back to Solo, everyone's like, "Oh, Solo failed. Why? It didn't mm. make all its money back on the first weekend." Oh, going back mm. to Solo, basically. Didn't they need to make two films worth yeah. of budget back? That's so every, everyone calling Solo a flop. I'm like, mate, this got rewritten and re- recast and well, reshot. It's, it's I don't... also everyone looking for the first Star Wars movie to fail because that's a big story. Star Wars movie shits out all the money, isn't that interesting? Star Wars movie fails. Ooh, that can get you at least 20 clip. Yeah. But so it's this massive hype up thing. But I think it's also this this absolute wish to be in a gang. Yeah. Kind of bond together with your fandom by going and policing. I mean, yeah. I've seen people getting unfriended over the relatively yeah. over over relatively minor issues and minor plot points. But it's the one thing I would really like to see people doing with these things, if they're gonna do these massive marketing campaigns, is give a date when you can start talking about the bastard <laughs> thing. Because I, I have got so much I want to talk about, bloody um Infinity Wars. I don't know if I can even mention it on my Facebook. It's well, that's the thing. There needs to be either the UN needs to sit down (laughs) and do a declaration of spoiler rights. Okay, when you can actually discuss in open. I think that's a very good question. When do you think is a good spoiler time frame? Yeah, I remember going on some forums once. We were talking about a very old manga series even at the time outlanders Mm. outlanders had been out for at least a decade 
And I was like, oh, I love Outlanders. And we were talking about it. And we were talking about something that happened two thirds of the way through through it. So I thought it would be okay to talk about something that had happened at the end of it. And someone goes, oh, spoilers. I remember at the time going, mate, this has been out for over 10 years. If you're not going to read it, you know, you can collect these issues, two pound a piece off eBay or the graphic novels for about seven quid or whatever. If you've had your time. Mm. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it it taught me a lot, actually, about what I think you can say and what you can't say. But you really have to read the room. You Mm. have to, it's almost like you have to quiz everyone. You have to read the room, but if you're going to have this massive, oh no, you can't give out spoilers, mm. you have to have, you, I think you have to build into it with your advertising campaign. Mm. When can you start talking about yeah. it again? Yeah, maybe. Otherwise, you know, I don't want to be three years down the line and have someone doing me a hashtag Thanos demands your silence because I just went, hey, do you remember in Infinity Wars when this happened? Especially if it's kind of the person that likes pulling stuff apart. It's yeah. like, well, I have to do a whole. Well, I think it is a social skill thing, basically asking everyone, have you seen it? No spoilers if you haven't seen it. But it's it's what what's courtesy and then what's having to go above and beyond anyone's... I, I, you know what I mean? I, no, I agree there's a yeah. social element to it and I, it's worrying that you have to... It's worrying that people have decided to make this great sport of wrecking stuff for other people. Yeah. And it's... I think people have also made a great sport out of jumping on people for spoilers. There's a lot of this, like humans are malleable growing machines. Mm. Not everyone is perfect. So maybe let's not destroy people if they've made a mistake. Yeah. Save that vitriol for people who are actual relentless My next event is Saturday the 8th of September, so we'll have a podcast out before then. Yes, um, I will be drawing people's faces at the Will Adams Festival. Um, so at Will Adams, basically, uh, take advantage of uh, Kent Council, who fund me and some other artists, uh, Chie and Inko, my colleagues, manga colleagues, will be there, and we'll be drawing everybody's faces, as many faces as we can fit in, yes. from opening hours, half ten, eleven till half four. We also, in a practically unprecedented move, we went to a convention as punters. Holy shit, yeah, we did. (laughs) We did. Holy shit. It was really interesting being on the outside looking in. We went to the the UK Games Expo. We did. Birmingham NEC, UK Games Expo. My brother has been going off and on for 10 years. It Mm. started off in a little hotel, moved up to the Hilton outside the NEC, and now it takes up two massive halls at the NEC and the Hilton itself. If you love tabletop, role-playing, Dungeons & Dragons, Slay Industries, Warhammer, (laughs) Battletech, board games in general, card games in general, oh my God, this is heaven for you. It's very, from everything I saw, it's it's very much board game stuff rather than, there's some role-play. You are right, there is some role-play. Yeah, but those IPs. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Card games, tabletop games, <sighs> little men's, minifigs. So much cool stuff. No, it's great. And what's interesting is that I've never actually been into it. I didn't have enough friends to play with when I was <laughs> at school. And none of my mates are into that nerdy shit anyway. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what, I'll just entertain myself and draw comics. So that's... I know there's a lot of people that enjoy uh, dungeon mastering, r- role playing, making stories that way. That's for me. I did it the solitary way, so mm. I think I probably missed out on some prime storytelling years with other people um, due to that. But I, d- I didn't know anyone to play that with, to okay. be honest. So I didn't grow up with it. But so I, I haven't been able to get into it. Pretty, I've done one game of Slay all throughout my life. Um, brother's very much into card games board games so yeah it, he i went for him really yeah and went around with him and he loved it he was in his element it was it was really interesting the the, yeah. the number of games that were there the thing that struck me is how much of a cottage industry mm. board games are because and i don't mean that in a bad way but there were just so many independent people who had got together got their assets got an idea got their assets got the art together and 
they had gone and made a game and they were pitching it and they were selling it and they were selling it to people. They were, they, and you, you could tell it was quite the cottage industry because there were so many people there who were... Make, who who were makers of card game piece of, of board game pieces? Yeah, manufacturers, the, manufacturers, for small runs. Yeah, funded by Kickstarter logos yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And uh, there were the number of stalls that you you could go to that event. You could either pick up te- easily ten or fifteen independently made games, or you could probably pick up everything you need to make your own game mm-hmm. and then to be there the next year pitching it. Yeah. So that yeah. was really cool. There was um, lots of uh, really cool wargaming accessories like gaming mats. There were so many dice. Oh my God. And if you're, so a, if you're a dice nerd, you will find die. the dice you want there. Oh my there. goodness. So pretty. It made me want to start playing games to be just, honest, just to have some nice die. Objet d'art of dice. Yeah, um, yeah, so beautiful. Yeah. And uh, my favourite store was a discount paintbrush store. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. So I spent like £27 on paintbrushes <laughs> and I got tons, tons of these factory seconds, big paintbrushes, small, mini, mini, zero, mm. zero, zero paintbrushes. I'm like, Fuck your little men, guys. I'm going to be drawing comics of these. But yeah, it was so good. So yeah. nice. There was, so there was even something for me on the outside Aww. looking in there. That and um, It was a lovely event. And well yeah. worth the ticket price, I thought. Not the, as smelly as I thought it would be. <laughs> support uh, your convention. But, use yeah, soap. not... not Please use soap, guys. Uh, just just be girls. aware that when you're walking around there, not everyone appreciates that stopping in the middle of the concourse directly in front of you <laughs> oh, is a bad plan. Well, um, you get that at any expo, oh, yeah. any MCM, any Comic Con. It but was... That's quite funny. But I felt included, even yeah. though I wasn't into anything there. And the absolutely was nice. ma- the thing was, is, is trading. It was primarily like trading halls. That was what people were there for. But the number of tables where you could just play games. Yeah. And there were so many. <gasps> the, the, my favorite sign was a couple of people had sat down. They just had a, their own little sign that said, "Come play with us. We have biscuits." Oh. <laughs> and it was literally they just had this stack of games, and they were there to play board games with strangers. That's great. How cool is that we want to play these games you want to play games so let's all have it it was really good atmosphere so my theory about why there were so many young families there is because obviously mum and dad needed to play a three (laughs) 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 so they've made one yeah roll six um what also what was also nice was um game specific furniture and Mm. i thought oh if you and your family or your your flatmates, you're all committed and you've been playing games for years and years and years. You could invest in a couple of hundred quid and get a really snazzy table. You, you could buy, oh, uh, you could spend yeah. a lot of money on a custom gaming table. It was basically the Vegas of gaming oh, tables. Man. They, they and looked... it looked great. Again, it just kind of made you wish. And people are like, Laura, why don't you start playing? I'm like, mate, I've got too many comics to Yeah. So I, I know that if I get into anything like that now, there's a lot, even video games, there's a lot of video games where I think, oh, if I start playing this, I won't be able to finish my comic or get into something. I know that it'll just take up so much of my time, but I'm so happy. There's so many people. It's gained such traction. Oh, yeah. It's got such a huge following and... Think even things like you know critical role and YouTubing and playing D and D and whatever. It's great. It's not for me at all, but I'm so I, happy it exists. Honestly, I'll, I'll be honest and say I don't get let's play videos of um, video games. Mm-hmm. I really don't get let's play videos of board games. I absolutely do not get <laughs> videos of people role playing. I I I've tried so many times. Watching role play is one of the dullest things on the planet. It's... <laughs> Andy, you're just old. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I never. I mean, when I used to be young and going on. When I used to be young, oh, oh. <laughs> used to. In my younger days, de- <laughs> previously in Andrew's <laughs> lifetime, um, I'd be going to uh, role play conventions and that. Mm. And the idea, and that you get people who watched other people playing role play games. I tried it a couple of times and I'd hang around, if it was a demo game, I'd hang around long enough to get a gist of what the game was like, but I never enjoyed watching other people play role play games. There was the intellectual what's this game about overview, 
But I couldn't say I liked watching the games. I mean, surely the theory is the same as, I don't know, watching sports, right? That's why streaming is so popular. What the young children do today? I think... I think with um with war games I could w- I could watch war games hmm. because that's got a a tactical competitive element to it and that that's like watching a chess match okay I can get that the role play games because so much of it is the drama and the tension of what's happening between the characters but so few people can role play well it's very difficult to keep track of what's going on and so much is happening inside people's heads. I just couldn't... I don't know. If it's a role-play thing, I do, it's very much... you got to, For me, you've got to be in the group. You've got to be in, in at the moment. I'm just not... It's not for us, and that's fine. Yeah, no, it's not that, for um, It's an observation. No, no, not saying it was. That's... Yeah, uh, yeah. very happy. Well done, yes. nerds. Well done. Support nerds. each other <laughs> and draw each other's characters. That's nice. Yes. <laughs> anyway... So I think that's our update for June 2018. If you like this podcast, then please share it with your friends and rate us online. It really helps spread the word and we will love you forever. The Hardcore Genki podcast is available from raggedyman.net forward slash the Raggedy Jam podcast, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Pocket Cast, and in all good privacy policy updates. It's also syndicated on bunkerzilla.co.uk, the UK geek culture online radio channel, which now has an Android app. Yay! That came out recently. That's it pretty did, nifty. didn't it? So I'll have to download so it. So if, you, if you're on the Android shop, Bunkerzilla, I will. And you'll yeah. find that. And as always, please send any feedback or quip or questions whatever you may have on the show or about us to superfortresshg at gmail.com and at Hardcore Genki oh yeah and at Hardcore Genki at Hardcore Genki because we got Twitter Uh, Laura Jam can be found on Twitter at Biomechacomic on Facebook via the Facebook page Jam Art and online at pinkapplejam.com and biomechacomic.com and Raggedy Man can be found at Needlessly Aggressive Products on Facebook or on the website raggedyman.net. Also on Etsy, Needlessly Aggressive. So till next time, goodbye and farewell from the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki. Bye! Bye. Bye.